you don't have to be born a leader. In fact, some of the best leaders in history didn't even really want to lead. Eisenhower didn't want to be president. It was just demanded of him. My name is Brent, and I am the Fallible Man, and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. And on today's show, I'll share with you five skills you need to develop to be a good leader. Stick around at the end of the show. The last one might just surprise you. So let's get into it. This is the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the Fallible Man, Brent Dowling. You need to be a problem solver to excel at leadership. This is an ability that can be trained, actually. You don't have to be born with the ability to be a problem solver. It really is as simple as doing different puzzles, like <laughs> kids' games. Those silly little apps on your phone that you see some people playing all the time can actually train your brain to be better at problem solving. The other trick is to change the question you ask when, you face, when you're faced with a problem. Or a puzzle, however you want to look at it. Because problem solvers tend to look at things as puzzles, not necessarily problems. So you've got to change the question. Instead of saying, I can't do this, or, oh my goodness, how am I going to... No, the question is, how do I do this? If you start asking how and eliminate the negative reaction, your brain will... See it as a riddle to solve, and your brain loves riddles, guys. I mean, it's just crazy how much your brain actually likes to work. Hey, guys, grab a cup of coffee if you haven't yet. You know I can't go through a show without one. And let's get into this. Ways to develop your leadership. Good ways to be And let's get into this. Now, good leaders lead by example. It's as simple as you don't ask somebody to do something that you wouldn't do or something you haven't done in the past, right? If the skill is outside your normal work set, then it's really a question of making sure that you are working harder than everybody else at your particular part of the task, guys. Now, this isn't a competition. I'm not trying to say that you need to try and be better than everybody else. You just need to be working as hard as you can actually work at whatever your part of the task is. So if you're on a team, yeah, maybe you can't do A, but your part of the thing is B. So you better be putting all your effort into it, guys. When others see your work ethic and how hard you're working, it helps your team members to respect you and your leadership because they understand how hard you're working. Therefore, they want to work hard too to be successful. You are leading by example, even if you're not doing the exact same thing. Set the tone, set the pace, set the example in quality, work ethic, helping people, listening to your team, and others will follow the pace you set, guys. There's something to be said for the old idea of first one in and last one out. You'll find that's the case with most leaders. They start 
and are off and running long before most people are even crawling out of bed in the morning. And they're the last ones to call it a day. Why? Because people need to see that they are asking less of the people who work from them are with them than they are themselves. If they don't demand more of themselves, or if you don't demand more of yourself, then what you're demanding of your team, no one's going to listen to you. Guys, point number two, good leaders take ownership of everything. Now, if you've been on my podcast before, you might have heard me reference Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership. And I'm going to put a link down in the show notes, or if you're watching this on YouTube, the description below. Guys, I wouldn't recommend the book that I didn't really believe in this much, but that book absolutely changed my life. I was already pretty good at trying to take personal responsibility for things, but that's a whole nother level. If you're a good leader, everything is your fault. Now, I know that doesn't make being a leader attractive, right? No one wants to be blamed for everything, but if someone doesn't deliver or meet a goal, it's on you. That is the goal of, well, that's the role of leadership. If they didn't meet a deadline or something set, there are three possible reasons. A. As a leader, you didn't appropriately communicate with them during and before the project, and you either did not convey the value of the job that they're doing or how important it is to the overall project appropriately, or you weren't in touch with them enough during the project to make sure and help them navigate the roadblocks they might run into. That's possibility A. Possibility B, you didn't provide the resources they needed to be successful. Or you didn't make sure they were aware of the limited resources they had before they agreed to the job. It's one or the other. C. You didn't recruit the right person. Now, in all three of those situations, it's on you guys. As the leader, those are your responsibilities. And taking that idea and embracing it, any way you came up, on that, you came up short on your leadership skills. It's a hard perspective to embrace, but once you stop making excuses and blaming other people, you're going to be unstoppable as a leader. Your team will perform like never before because this kind of approach is contagious. Your whole team will start taking personal responsibility. When they do, you need to be positive about the response, guys. Set a tone for your team that's incredible. Okay, once they see that you're not going to throw them under the bus, that you're going to take ownership of the whole thing, that you're going to accept that you might not have done everything you needed to do to appropriately convey this to them, guys, it's insanely contagious. So when they stand up, when they take ownership of it, don't be harsh. You need to respond, okay, that's you know, thank you for, you know, owning that. Let's figure out, however, to fix it. Don't be mad because they didn't deliver. Help them find a solution. Don't be angry. Don't be proud because you look bad because they're short. When they take ownership, 
you win. When you take ownership, everybody wins. That is one of the great things about being a leader. And guys, if you're getting something out of this, be sure and hit that like button or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We'd love to hear from you guys. And let's keep rolling into point number three. Point number three is a good leader is humble. Now, I lose a lot of people right here. This one is more difficult for some people. Good leaders aren't worried about getting the credit. Good leaders rise and fall with the success of their team. Learn to take joy when your team performs. Well, (laughs) I said that wrong. Punctuation, right? It's important. But let me say, see if I can say that better. Let learn to take joy when your team performs or well or accomplishes something. Shine the light on the talent of your people and celebrate their achievements. When they win, you win. When the team wins, you win. But guys, and I'm not saying you have to be a monk, okay? But You've done a good job when your name is a byline on a project or anything else and not the headline. You don't want your name to be front and center. That's that's not good leadership. Be quick to raise your people up for the great work they've done and slow to chastise them if they make a mistake because remember, it's on you. It's all on you. Don't be the guy who's arrogant. Give your team the credit they deserve. Let them shine because in that, you shine. If you've done your job, their success is your success. And take quiet humility humility, and enjoy the fact that they're successful because you put together a good team. Remember that you may be the leader, but it doesn't mean you're the authority on every subject or every expert. Leave room to let the experience of your team and the knowledge they bring benefit the whole team. Your job is to oversee whatever you're doing. It is not to win solely or to deliver solely. That's not how things work. Your job is to lead the team to success. So lean on the strengths of your people and let them shine and be willing to be quiet in the background. Guys, we're going to roll to today's sponsor, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. Today's episode brought to you by TheFallibleMan.com. That's right, it's us. Head over to www.TheFallibleMan.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content, and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at TheFallibleMan or at FallibleMan on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our Attitude Swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. Hey guys, thanks for sticking around. Be sure and hit that bell notification if you're on YouTube. We do other videos. In fact, we're actually really stepping up our YouTube this year. And if you're on the podcast... Guys, if you haven't seen our YouTube channel, we don't just have the podcast. We have other videos going there. And we're at The Fallible Man pretty much everywhere you want to be. I have more social media than I can actually stand. 
but let's keep rolling. Number four, good leaders clearly communicate. This takes practice. Communication is an art form. You should always be growing in your interpersonal communication skills. You should always be working to improve that, guys. If you struggle with your communication, then you're going to struggle in leadership. So good leaders are always trying to refine and grow in their communication skills. Find the most effective way to communicate with the people you work with. People communicate differently by in many ways. People have preferential ways they communicate. And so if you're dealing with an individual, you have room to grow that. For example, I have a good friend of mine and sometimes colleague, and he prefers to communicate via text message most of the time. That is just his preferred communication level, or style is the right word. That's his preferred communication style. Now, it's not necessarily my preferred communication style, but if it's not costing us on the project to communicate that way, then I have no problem communicating with him that way because that's what's good for him. If you're running a larger project, then, well, you might have to find a level playing field for everybody. Um, communicating on a large project can be very complex. So there is a time where, as a leader, you have to say, look, we have so many people that I can't send emails to you and text messages to you and corner you in the office and talk to you about this or call you on the phone about this, there becomes a point at which communication fails if you try to do it too individually just because your team is too large. So on a larger project as the leader of the project, you may have to set the communication rules. You may have to rules, not rules. You may have to set the communication rules. You may have to say, hey guys, look, I know this isn't perfect for everybody, but we're going to communicate via email or we're going to communicate via group text message. But everybody needs to be visible on these things. And that is really hard for some of your people because that's not going to be the way they prefer to communicate. Your job as a leader is to help them develop their communication skills to use that set form. That doesn't mean browbeating them and telling them, oh, you have to do this or, you know, you're fired or whatever. No, don't be a gruff jerk, okay? Lead by example. It may not be the preferred way. And guys, pro note here, Look, the way you decide for a large group to communicate may not be ideal for you. It's not necessarily your favorite way to communicate, and you need to suck that up. Don't default to your preferred way of communicating just because it's your preferred way of communicating. Find what's going to be best for the project, the team, and the situation. 
and help them make you communicate that way. Guys, part of communication is also making sure that you can make complex problems simple by breaking them into smaller pieces or communicating them effectively. You need to learn to communicate large ideas in simple ways. Large and complex ideas screw people up. As a leader, you need to be able to communicate those ideas, not in ways that may, I mean, we're not talking about you're treating people like they're stupid, okay? But you do need to be able to communicate these complex concepts in a way that everybody you're working with understands precisely what's going on and what they need to do. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a trash project and go back to, I think was point number two, right? Uh, it's on you if you screw it up because you're the one setting the pace. You're the one setting the example and you're the one setting the communication up. Your job is to communicate. That's the job of a good leader. Now, you're going to spend a lifetime practicing this and getting better at this. You will not be perfect at this right away, and that's okay. It takes time to develop these skills, but as a leader or an individual who wants to be a leader, you will spend the rest of your life working on developing these, and you should. These are important things. Now, guys, I would love for you to tell me in the comments below, whether you're on the podcast or on the YouTube, what has been the best strategy for communicating with people you work with? Do you guys use email? Do you guys use meetings? Does that work better for in-person? What is the most effective way you've learned to communicate with the teams you work on? I want to hear all about it. Comment down below. Sound off. I'd love to know. And we're going to go on to point number five. Good leaders empower people. They don't micromanage their talent. Now, this is a really, really difficult concept. And it goes hand in hand with number three of good leaders are humble. It's incredibly contrary to the styles of a lot of managers and leaders you're going to run into into your life. Uh, it's insane. The amount of leaders and managers, and I say leaders loosely, guys, because there's a difference between a, a manager or a leader that's been put in place, but they aren't actually leading and a leader. Leaders empower their people. Leaders enable their people to be successful. Remember, humility. Your team being successful is you being successful. But you're going to find a lot of managers and leaders who don't really know what they're doing. And they're the ones you see micromanaging because they know that their job is riding on this project going well. That's a really uncomfortable situation for anybody, right? I know I worry if my job is on the line because of what somebody else is doing. So that makes sense for everybody, right? Stick with me on this. If you've done your job at this point as a leader, you've either put together an amazing team or you've helped the team you were given 
become an amazing team because that's part of your job as a leader. All boats rise on the tide, guys. Your job is to be the tide. Your job is to help your whole team step up and raise up by the example you set and the way you treat them. That's your job as a leader. So enabling them to do their job and then letting them do it with minimal, yes, you need to communicate with them all throughout the project, but you need to communicate to make sure that you are helping unblock any problems they run into. Not doing their job, not telling them how to do their job. Your job is to enable them to do their job. Because when you enable them and empower them to be use their expertise and their knowledge, then they will do an outstanding job because people are inspired by people putting faith in them. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, I ended up in the emergency room with a strangulated hernia. I had no idea this had happened. Um, my gut hurt and I couldn't keep any food down. And so I went to the doctor. Um, actually, my boss told me I had to go to the doctor because I was stupid and wouldn't have gone. And I got in there and the doctor was like, uh, what are you doing the rest of the day? I was like, I don't know. What am I doing the rest of the day? He said, yeah, you're going into surgery. That's what you're doing. You have a strangulated hernia. So if you don't go into surgery, you're going to be in a colostomy bag for the next six months. I had no idea I had any problems. But I got in there and the doctor came in because like since it was an emergency, they called ahead and at the hospital and the doctor came in and found out it was my first surgery. And he asked me, he like, are you nervous, son? Nice older man. I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and, you know, being an older gentleman, he was like, it's okay. You don't have to be a tough guy. Everybody gets a little nervous on their first surgery. I said, no, I'm, I'm really okay, doc. And he looked at me very confused. And so I looked at him and I looked at the room we were in and I pointed over at a communications port in the wall. And I said, hey, doc, could you wire that communication port in the wall? And he's like, well, no. At the time, that's what I did for a living. Uh, so I said, well, I can. In fact, I actually worked on the new wing of that hospital earlier that year. So I was like, yeah, that new expansion you guys put on, I, I helped put that in. This is what I do. He's like, okay. I said, well, I wouldn't expect you could actually wire that. Maybe you could have, but I wouldn't expect that you could be able to wire that. And I really, I mean, you wouldn't try and tell me how to wire it, right? He's like, well, no, I don't know anything about that. And I said, great, of course not. So I said, you know, how long have you been a surgeon at this hospital? And he told me he'd been a surgeon for 19 years at that particular hospital. That's not even counting his residency. That's just his stint at that hospital. I said, well, how long have you known your team? He said, well, you know, I've, I've had the same surgical team for more than seven years now. I said, great. Then I'm going to trust that you know how to fix my problem or you wouldn't be here. And I'm just going to shut my mouth and do what I'm told and trust that you can do your job. Now, it was hilarious because this one interaction, right? I wasn't this guy's leader, but as a patient, 
I was trusting him and empowering him to use his expertise to make the decisions and to move us forward instead of being freaked out about it. And his team was remarkable. The surgery, of course, went off without a hitch. It wouldn't, I didn't expect it to be complicated anyway. But like them wheeling me into the surgical room, everybody was at ease. I met everybody. I shook everybody's hand before they put on their gloves. And everybody was in a good mood. And one or two of them even commented, it's like, well, Doc says you trust us to do a good job, so we'll do a good job for you. I empowered them as their patient, as a person who needed to trust them to be the experts they were. And it was an amazing, I mean, the doctor was in my recovery room. This guy's a, a major surgeon and he was in my recovery room as soon as I was awake. Going, he went and found my wife in the waiting room because I still hadn't seen her. Like this was an emergency surgery. She barely got to the hospital and I was already done with surgery. He went and found her and brought her back to my room himself. He didn't send somebody because I had shown him trust and respect and given him his head to be the man he is and the surgeon that he is. Now, you may say I'm reading too much into it, guys, but really, it is that simple. Trusting someone to be who they can be is important. Trusting your employees or the people you're leading to do the job that you hired them to do will make them want to do well for you. Guys, recruit and train capable people and then empower them based on their abilities. They will outperform every time. People are moved to do good things when their leadership trusts them and has faith in them. They want to do a good job, so let them do it. Guys, if you can master these five things, you will be on the road to being an amazing leader. If you can learn to take that extreme ownership and remain humble, if you can learn to empower your people. Oh, all the many other things I said, sorry. My notes page is too big. Lead by example. Set the pace. If you can learn to do all these things, and you will have a lifetime of learning to communicate, you can learn to do all these things. You will be an incredible leader, leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of people who are trying to lead. These are incredible skills. I appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me today. I am the Fallible Man, and until next time, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. And I'll see you next time. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.